Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with threats and blasphemy as we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So it came to pass when Hezekiah heard the words and the threats and the blasphemy that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went to the house of the Lord. And Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shibna the scribe, and the elders and the priests, they covered themselves with sackcloth, and they came to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This is the day of trouble, of rebuke, of blasphemy. For the children are come to birth, there isn't enough strength for them to be delivered. It may be that the Lord thy God will hear all the words that Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. And so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord. Don't be afraid of the words which you have heard, which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him. He'll hear a rumor. He'll return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. And so Shalmaneser heard some rumors that uh, the king of Ethiopia was coming out to fight. And so he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Don't trust in God. And don't be deceived, saying Jerusalem will not be delivered into the hands of the Assyrians. You've heard what the Assyrians have done in destroying the other lands. Where are the gods of the nations of the lands that have been destroyed? And Hezekiah received the letter, and he took it into the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. And he said, now, Lord, look at this threatening letter. Look what this guy is saying. And, Lord, there's a lot of truth to this. These people are strong. They've conquered over these other nations. And and he laid the whole thing out before the Lord. You know, (laughs) that's the best place to bring your problems. You know, you may get some mean, threatening letter. Best thing to do is just lay it out before the Lord. Say, look, Lord, what they're threatening to do to me now. And he just laid the whole thing out before the Lord. His burden poured out his heart before the Lord. And the Lord answered Hezekiah through Isaiah, and he said, That which you have prayed to me against Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, I have heard. And God gives this prophecy against him, saying that actually he is blasphemed against the Lord and against the God of Israel. And thus the Lord said, I'll put my hook in the nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn thee back by the way which you came. And this will be the sign you shall eat this year, such as the things that grow of themselves. The second year, that which springs of the same, and in the third year, you're going to sow and reap. The people have been shut up. There was a famine. God said, I'm going to deliver you this year. You'll just eat what grows wildly. Next year, the same, but the following year, you'll sow and plant again. And the remnant that has escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. 
For out of Jerusalem shall go forth the remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor cast a bank against it. For by the way that he came, by the same way he will return, he will not come to this city, saith the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. So the result of, of Hezekiah bringing his problems to the Lord, he found the answers. You know, so many times we run to others with our problems. First thing we do is run for a counselor, run for a friend, run, you know, and, and we start laying our heavy trips on everybody else. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. So many times when people bring me their problems, I only feel absolutely frustrated because what can I do? Nothing except take it to the Lord. You know, I'm powerless to help. I can't change the situations. Only God can change the situations. Oh, that we would learn to just bring our fears, our worries, our concerns and just lay them out before the Lord. Lord, look what they're saying. Look what they're doing. Oh, God, I cast myself upon you. I can't do anything about it. I'm helpless. Lord, help me, and the Lord will help you. And the Lord helped Hezekiah. came to pass that night that an angel of the Lord went through the camp of the Assyrians and wiped out 185,000. So that when they woke up in the morning... There were 185,000 frontline troops lying there, dead corpses. One angel of the Lord, one night, 185,000. Now, as you're reading Isaiah, you get a very interesting footnote on this. Very fascinating. The result of this experience to the people who were living in Jerusalem. What happened to them when this happened to the Assyrians? Very fascinating footnote. You'll find it in Isaiah. <laughs> he said, fear gripped the hearts of the sinners in Zion. Terror took hold on the hypocrites. And they said, who among us can dwell in the midst of this devouring fire. To see what the fire of God did to the Assyrians made all the sinners terrified. They said, who among us can dwell in the midst of this devouring fire? Or that word dwell could also be translated, who among us can approach? Or it, another place is translated, who among us can flee from this devouring fire? Now, here's again where God is seen as a symbol of a devouring fire. Our God is a consuming fire, we read in Hebrews. And when they saw the effect of God against the Assyrians, those who were sinners became terrified because they realized that, you know, how can you dwell in the midst of this fire and not be burned, not be destroyed, not be consumed? They saw the effect of the fire of God. Now, well, that's another message, so we'll get that when we get to Isaiah. 
And so Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, returned back to Assyria. And while he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach, his god, his sons assassinated him. Now, in those days, Hezekiah was very sick. Actually, he was dying. And Isaiah came to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you're going to die and not live. The word of the Lord from Isaiah to Hezekiah. Set your house in order, you're going to die and not live. And so Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed unto the Lord. And he said, I beseech you, O Lord, remember now how I have walked with you in truth with a perfect heart, and I've done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah just really wept before God. So it came to pass when Isaiah was leaving, as he was going through the middle of the court, the Lord said, go back and tell him. Thus saith the Lord God of David, thy father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you will go up unto the house of the Lord. I've heard your prayer, see your tears. Okay, you'll be healed. In three days you'll be going up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your life 15 years. And I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, now take a, make a polis from figs and lay it on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that I'm going to be healed? And Isaiah said, well, do you want the sun to go back 10 degrees on the sundial, or do you want it to go ahead 10 degrees? Imagine asking for a sign for something, and and, and God working a sign with a sundial, either moving the sun backward or forward 10 degrees for you. What would you like? He said, well, if it goes forward 10 degrees, that wouldn't be too much. You'd think the earth is just tilting that much faster. Let it go back 10 degrees. And so the sun went back 10 degrees on the sundial. You say, impossible. Yes, if you've got a puny little God of your own creation. But if you can believe the first verse of Genesis, why would you have any problem with that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how big the God is that we serve. It is important that we remember that, especially when we pray over our little problems. O Lord, thou art God. Thou hast created the heaven and the earth, all that in them is. That's the way the apostles began their prayer, and it's a good way to begin prayer, just sort of reminding you who you're talking to. Now, there were emissaries that came from Babylon when they heard that Hezekiah was recovered from his sickness. And, and they came into Hezekiah and they said, oh, we're so glad that you're well. And Hezekiah said, oh, let me show you around. And he took them into the treasury. He showed them all the treasures, all of the gold and silver that was in the house of the Lord, all the treasures of the land. And so Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, who were those fellows? Where did they come from? And he said, oh, they came from a long way off. They came from Babylon. What did they want? Oh, they wanted to tell me they were glad I was well. What did you show them? Oh, I showed them the treasures. What? How much? Oh, I showed them everything. He said, ah, that's foolish. Because all of those treasures that you showed to them will be carried away captive to Babylon. Hezekiah said, well, that's good. He said, what do you mean it's good? He said, well, you said it won't happen in my days. 
So the rest, <laughs> it's a strange way to look at it, isn't it? <laughs> the rest of the Acts of Hezekiah are recorded in 2 Chronicles and in Isaiah. An awful lot about Hezekiah in Isaiah. How he made this tunnel from the spring of Gihon to the pool of Siloam in order that they might have a fresh water supply when they were anticipating uh, the attack from the Assyrians. And uh, this conduit that he built the tunnel, and I've hiked through that tunnel on a few occasions, and you feel like you're hiking in history as you are walking through the water as the spring of Gihon flows through that and on out to the pool of Siloam. Now Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah. And here is something that I think is interesting for speculation. Would it have been better for Hezekiah had he died instead of being healed? Was the healing of Hezekiah God's perfect will and plan? God had sent the message, you're going to die. Hezekiah began to weep, and, and of course, in, in Hezekiah, he, ex, he says that he, he all night long, he, he, he sort of chattered like a dove and all, you know, and, and just, you know, weeping before God and all. And so God sent Isaiah back to say, I've seen his tears, I've heard his prayer, I'll give him 15 years. Was that really God's real purpose and plan? Would it not have been much better had Hezekiah died? at that time. For his son, Manasseh, began to reign when he was 12 years old, which means Manasseh was conceived and born after Hezekiah had his life extended. Had Hezekiah died at that point, Manasseh would never have been born. And I say that because we read concerning Manasseh, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen who the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He built again the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal. He made a grove as did Ahab the king of Israel and worshiped all the host of heaven and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, I will put my name. He built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He made his sons to pass through the fire. He observed times, used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger made the graven images, and it was because of Manassas leading the people into such depths of sin they could never recover, and thus Judah fell as the result of Manassas leading them to the depths of sin. Now, what would have happened to the nation had Hezekiah not insisted in prayer that God heal him? The whole story of the nation could have been much different. The whole history could have been much different. But here's a man insisting with tears, begging, Oh, God, heal me, please heal me. Don't, Lord, I've served you. I've loved you. I've done so. You know, please heal me, God. This is a part of the problem that evolves when I start ordering God rather than taking orders from God. When I think that prayer is that 
instrument and tool whereby I am to get my will done rather than the instrument whereby we can get God's will done. I wonder how much damage is done by these insisting prayers that we hear so much about today. The nation could have been spared the horrors of Manasseh had Hezekiah died. It's something to contemplate and think about. I don't have any answers for it. It's just something to think about. But Manasseh was an extremely wicked king. God testified in verse 12, I am going to bring such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah that whosoever hears about it, their ears will tingle. For I'm going to stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria, the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies, because they have done that which was evil in this, my sight and have provoked me to anger and so forth. Now, in the New Testament, we read of the prophets of God, men of faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, men of great faith, who stopped the mouths of lions, who survived through the fires, and yet they were, it says they were stoned, they were sawed in two. According to tradition and extracurricular scriptures, Isaiah was the man referred to who was sawed in two. And this was done by Manasseh, the wicked son of Hezekiah. This glorious prophet Isaiah, he had him sawn in two. Evil, wicked man who never would have existed had Hezekiah not insisted on God healing him. Manasseh died, was buried in the garden of his own house, and his son Ammon reigned in his stead. He was 22 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for two years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, walking after the ways of his father Manasseh. And he served the idols that his father had served. He worshiped then. Actually, he grew up in it. He, he was one of the children of Manasseh who Manasseh made to pass through the fire to these pagan, in, in the rites to these pagan gods. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him to walk fire walking and all, causing your children to do the fire walk. And, you know, they get into these trances and so forth and walk across coals. But you notice it also says along with these things that they dealt with familiar spirits or with demon spirits and all. And this is all a part of demonology. He reigned for two years. His servants conspired against him and killed him in his own house. And Josiah, his son, began to reign as king in his stead. And Josiah was only eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, 
At this point, you need to read the prophecy of Jeremiah because here is where Jeremiah began his prophecies. And Josiah was a good king as far as spiritual reforms went. However, at this point, the people have been so corrupted as the result of Manasseh that with the people, the born-again movement became a popular movement because the king said he was born again, and so it became a popularized movement among the media, but it wasn't a genuine movement within their hearts. It wasn't a true experience. And so the temple was all of a sudden full of people again. Everybody was a popular vogue thing to do, to go to the temple. And so God said to Jeremiah, go down to the temple, the gate of the temple. And as the people are passing through into the temple, cry out. Trust not in lying vanity, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. It's a lie. It's emptiness. You're not really serving God. And and of course, Jeremiah got into all kinds of trouble because of the things God told him to tell these kings. He's thrown in dungeons, thrown in the prisons. He ran into a lot of difficulty. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Kings on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Kings 19 through 22 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and keep His hand upon your life. And may he help you to walk in all righteousness and holiness, that the name of the Lord would not be blasphemed by my actions, but that people in seeing my good works will glorify our Father who is in heaven. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I want to tell you about a biblical counseling ebook by Chuck Smith. It's pretty easy to download and takes only a minute. I can't tell you how grateful I am for something like this. It's a game changer for anyone who needs to counsel or talk with someone on the spot. Like when I'm talking with my friends and a complicated issue comes up, I can do a quick search on my phone and get immediate answers that lead them to God's Word. 
So not only do I get Pastor Chuck's commentary, but I can find out what the Bible says about it. There's seriously so many helpful topics, like dating or self-image, lust, waiting on God, or even what certain religions or cults mean. I could even use this when I have a question myself. To download the Biblical Counseling eBook by Chuck Smith, or to preview a demo, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. To find out more, you can call 1-800-272-9673. 1-800-272-9673.